0: Yeah, so the, the three forms of unity, those are the, the three confessions I've already mentioned, the Belgic Confession, um, Be- uh, Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Um, and they're, they're these, at the Synod of Dort, these became like the three confessional documents of the Reformed Churches of the Netherlands. Before that, it was just Heidelberg Catechism and Belgic Confession. Um, so these are the three standards, the three theological you know foundational documents for our uh, little tradition of churches. Um, and you know, they, yeah, they, they talk about covenant issues and they talk about it in particular, you know, dealing with sacraments like baptism and communion.
1: Welcome to the guilt, grace, gratitude podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything.
2: Are you in the Orange County or Santa Ana area? We are exploring a church plant, Santa Ana Reformed, with the oversight and accountability of Oceanside URC and Reverend Danny Hyde. If you are interested or you know someone who might be interested in the area, please check out our show notes for a link to sign up for updates. Our Twitter or Instagram at Pod or Santa Ana URC for the same sign-up link, or simply email us at santaanna_reformed@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We begin meetings on October 28th at 6.30 p.m. at 4th Street Market in downtown Santa Anna. Now on with the episode.
1: Hello, everyone. Yet once again, it's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is the Guilt Grace Gratitude podcast, where we bridge the gap to reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. Today is a Promises and Fulfillments episode. We're on chapter 18 in the Covenant Theology book, which is published by Crossway. It's written by Reformed Theological Seminary staff and faculty. Uh, this chapter, chapter 18, is written by Dr. Bruce Bogus and it is on Covenant Theology in the Dutch Reformed Tradition. It is in part two, Historical Theology, but today... To help us with this chapter, we have none other than Reverend Danny Hyde from Oceanside URC, which is Peter's pastor. We'll introduce here in a moment, and he's definitely uh, an expert on this chapter, and he can he can walk us through it. Um, the show notes that we have on this episode is the Soci- Society of Reformed Podcasters. There's a link there; you can find other like-minded podcasts out there so if you really enjoy the content of our podcast you'll probably enjoy theirs as well there's also a few links to find a reformed church near you if nothing else this is the most important thing to find a local church to call home there's also a link to Peter's Church coming up in next year, next summer. Santa Ana Reform, so you can find out more information about that church if you're in the Orange County area. And then you can of course find a link to Crossway to get this book from Covenant Theology. Maybe some more other information about Reverend Hyde. And let's jump in and and talk to Doctor Danny,
2: <laughs> or or soon to be Doctor Danny, right? Hopefully,
1: hopefully. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Sorry about that. Sorry. No, it's fine. Yeah. As long as I can uh, persevere and have enough energy. I'll be that's done. right. He's in the
2: candidacy phase. I think you know what, you just submitted like your last draft or something like that. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I've called it the last draft many times and apparently <laughs> that's right.
0: it keeps getting resurrected.
2: So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. There we go. That's true. Well, cool. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. coming on to talk about Dutch reform theology. And you've written a couple commentaries on this. So we've figured who else better than somebody we know to go on the show.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah,
2: uh, good afternoon. <laughs> if you're Dutch, I'm sure you know what that means. <laughs> hey, that's appropriate. Kick off the episode with some Dutch. We'll just have Danny speak in Dutch the entire time. We'll have no idea what's going on, but some people might.
1: Love it. So, yeah, Peter, what? this is your pastor. Let's open it up and have you kind of introduce the audience to him. Yeah, well, if you guys...
2: Listen to an episode last year on the Reformed Church, Reformed Worship. We had Reverend Hyde talk about that, but he's the pastor of Oceanside United Reformed Church in Carlsbad, California. And he's got a couple degrees, one from the school that I go to, Westminster Seminary, California. He's an adjunct professor at a couple of seminaries writing his dissertation on John Owen. So if you want to know a little bit about John Owen, you can talk to him. But we are excited because he's, like I said, he's written a couple commentaries on this. Uh, and so we're going to go through kind of, kind of on a topical level on this chapter. We'll, we'll kind of dive deep at certain points. I think like a thirty thousand foot flyover with a couple touchdown points as we go through this chapter. Um, so I mean, kind of first, first overall, what, what got you into kind of the Dutch Reformed Church, the Dutch Reformed tradition, um, kind of before we jump into this chapter.
0: Um. Well, uh, I'm a wild olive shoot grafted in. (laughs) Uh, I'm not Dutch, so I'm not much. Um, (laughs) yeah, well, I mean, basically people who know my story, you know, I was a Pentecostal, uh, youth pastor, uh, in OC Orange County and I was a college student and, uh, you know, I started listening to white horse Inn back in the good old days. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah, back in the, I mean, I have so many great memories of those days. Um, and uh Ken samples, he used to be a like Sunday school teacher, adult Sunday school at Christ reformed Anaheim. Hmm. Uh, he came to campus and did like a, like an alternative chapel. like we had a big praise and worship chapel where he got slain the spirit and he had the revival and. Stuff. <laughs> That's right, um, yeah. And enough of us students were like told the campus pastor like, hey, we you know can we get like another chapel here? Like with some actual like teaching? And so <laughs> uh, I don't even know how they found Ken. But uh, they found Ken Samples. I, I think it's because he taught philosophy at local Christian colleges and, and uh, j- junior colleges, too. Um, so he did like a like a like an alternative chapel with like, you know, 10 of us, maybe not even that. Um, and he did it like on like, like St. Augustine and a few other figures from history. And, uh, you know, it was just an interesting. Like, hey, here's this guy here who's, who's like bringing, you know, some historical, interesting uh, theological, you know, dis- philosophical discussions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he invited me to church and, you know, whenever I had a chance to get away from, uh, youth pastoring, I would go to Christ Reformed Anaheim. And mm. so yeah, so that was my, that was like my first, uh, toe getting, getting my toes wet into the Reformed yeah. world and, um, you know, meeting Kim and Mike. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I made my, my, my way into that little world. And then I went off to seminary and went to Westminster, um, you know, drove down the coast, hung a left on highway 78. And I was like, where am I going? This is as far from the beach as I ever lived. You know? <laughs> That's right. I can't feel the breeze out here. You know, it's hot air, not, not cool beach air like I'm used to. So uh, yeah, I went to Westminster and um, I, I was, you know, my, my wife and I weren't married yet. So I lived for one year in, at, at like Westminster in Escondido and uh, she lived in Orange County. And uh, I, I also had a roommate at this Dutch guy, uh, Johannes Klampinus, John Klampin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he introduced me to like, you know, the Dutch reformed dumb and, uh, and made my way into the reformed church, into a Christian reformed church, which became United reformed church. So, yeah. And then went off to finish seminary and then planted a church here in Oceanside and that's all she wrote. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I made my way into it, my way into it. So hmm. nice. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, the strange, I mean, the strange world of the, of the Dutch. You know this weird right. outsider guy. You know.
2: Yeah, it's not where I expected it to be, but it's where I'm at.
0: I was like the shortest male in the congregation. You know, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, when you're six right. four. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, just
2: yeah. Well, now Everybody, I'm the second yeah, tallest. My son bust me up. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> but they're all. It's because all they got like dairy and milk and all that stuff running through their bones. <laughs> <laughs> a lot just, of calcium. Yeah, a lot of calcium. Grow, grow, like shoots. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Your, your church, uh, Oceanside URC was the very first reformed, uh, service that I went to. I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's what Peter said. I mean, I, that was like, gosh, it seems like forever ago. Yeah, I was like, um, it was forever. well over a year ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't like even it. remember,
0: honestly, the last year and a half s in a blur. So <laughs> it's probably a, like a year yeah. and a half,
1: two years ago. Yeah. And then now like, I yeah, it's probably going, like two years ago. Yeah. And, uh, the church I'm at now is great. It's an OPC. It's in, cool. uh, Dana Point area and love it. And you know my pastor. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So well, it's good stuff. So with this chapter in the book, just to kind of open it up, um, could you help us kind of take the audience maybe back in time to where and when this was this this chapter? Because the previous chapter before this was post Reformation developments, and ah, so okay. now we're yeah. walking into specifically the Dutch Reformed tradition. Yeah. Maybe some important names and and what's going on like why this sure. chapter why is this plugged into the book so
0: uh yeah well what's what's interesting about the chapter and just in general is um so you know w- like when we say the word dutch reformed like we think of the netherlands today mm-hmm. um, yeah. tiny little country in northeast uh, northwest europe um but like so like two of our so we have three we have three confessions of faith i had catechism belgian confession kansas door um mm-hmm. And the Heidelberg Catechism was written was written in German in Latin. Uh, It was later translated into Dutch. So it's not a it's not Mm. a a native Dutch thing. And you know, so like we say Dutch, like in the context of Reformation, like it's the Low Countries, the Lowlands, which which is like the modern day country of the Netherlands plus uh, the modern day country of Belgium plus Luxembourg plus like parts of northern France. So uh, it's Mm. like seventeen independent little. Provinces that mm-hmm. made up the Low Countries. So we have the Hutterite Catechism. That's part of our Dutch Reformed, you know, confessional heritage. Although it's not, uh, it didn't originate in the Netherlands or in a, in a Dutch speaking context. Uh, the Belgian Confession is is, is closer. It's uh, it's written in French uh, by a guy named Guy de who is who uh, is a pastor in what's today like northern France, hmm. uh, southern Belgium. Uh, in those days would have been called the lowlands, the low countries, the Netherlands. Um, So the only confession that we have that, you know, actually was written in what we would consider the Netherlands uh, would be the Cannons of Dort. So Mm. it's kind of interesting, um, you know. So we talk about, you know, the Dutch Reformed tradition. We mean Hutterbury Catechism, Belgian Confession, Cannons of Dort. But two of the three of those, like, they're not written in what we consider like today, uh, you know, the Netherlands, you know, or or in Dutch. So, um, and and, and, uh, yeah, well, so be it. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, uh, you know, helpful chapter, good summary, like overview um, just, you know, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of key names and, and key people um, you know, we'll come to the confessions probably here just cause that's, you know, a little, a little simpler, but um, uh, like, like two of the key names, there's a great, great uh, sort of like intra, you know, reform squabble in the, in the 1600s between two men um mm-hmm. one johannes Coxeus. um and then the other was heisbertus footsius uh if you see it in english it looks like <laughs> yeah. it says which they don't look Futsius, anything right? like
2: that on the paper but yeah. <laughs> yeah. You pronounce it, yeah yeah
0: so in english his name's gilbert foot <laughs> <laughs> <That's>,
2: which, <laughs> yeah. which is exactly how nick pronounced it i was like that's that's what it looks like but yeah it's... so um <laughs> yeah
0: it just sounds cooler in dutch heisbertu are it's like la- it's the lat it's latin uh, it's latinized dutch you know heisbertus lucius so um yeah so those two guys were very very influential very powerful writers preachers theologians professors um and so you know uh, uh this chapter gives a good uh you know summary of, of their positions you know their views and, you know and just in general like Coxeus, um he emphasized the discontinuities mm uh, in the covenants, you know, just kind of put it in simple terms for the average person out there. Um, you know, like the discontinuity, the differences between the old and the new, right. Um, whereas Futsius, uh, wants to emphasize the continuities, like how things are similar, like how there's one covenant of grace. Um, so yeah, they, they both are speaking, you know, true theology. They're both talking about, you know, true concepts and you know they're exegeting scripture and trying to come through, you know, in, into some clarity on this, uh, but they're just coming at the issue of covenant theology, quote unquote. You know, from their own particular, uh, from a different angle, right? So one of them's looking at, you know, how there's one covenant of grace, that's why you baptize kids, right, and all this stuff. Um, other one's saying like, well, there's a lot of discontinuities. There's like this interesting, um, you know, uh, distinction that Coxeus brings out in um in the book of hebrews and also uh in romans um two different uh uh greek words um the parasis and the aphasis Mm -hmm. um passing over and uh and and remitting or forgiving yeah so you know Cox says oh well you know like that's a good helpful distinction because in the old covenant christ hasn't come yet and so sins are passed over right until they're remitted and forgiven when the when the cross happened. So, uh, footsius looks at that and says like, Hey, well then that, that endangers deduction of justification by faith alone, because you're saying that the ancient saints weren't justified mm. because if Christ doesn't come and their sins are only passed over. So like you can see like they started to get in a big, big war. Um, they're both talking about similar things. They're just coming at it from different angles and they're trying to be sensitive to like their own context and so forth. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, and I would just, you know, a person out there who wants to maybe delve in some more. Um, I mean, anybody gets this book, it's massive, right? It's <laughs> yeah. like 620 pages. So yeah, and seven like, months pl- of podcasting if you plow through on it. Um, like, you know, kudos to you. You've done a great job. Uh, if you want to delve into sort of like uh um, I don't want to call it definitive, but like a like a good reform Dutch reform view of of uh, covenant theology, there's a there's a big two-volume. Hardcover, I think it might be in paperback now that Reformation Heritage Books publishes uh by Herman Vitzius. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's called The Economy of the Covenants. The Economy of the Covenants. I've got it on my shelf yeah.
2: somewhere here. Oh yeah, that uh, was one of the first reformed books i would ever read. Yeah.
0: Hmm. well, for those for those who might who might uh, you know happen to watch these, I have the old classic like blue blue oh, yeah. blue uh, yep. blue, uh, uh covers. Yep. So um yeah, Vitzius or Witzius, uh the economy of the covenants. It's a good uh he, he was sort of like a mediating figure in the netherlands trying to bring together like the coxian coxayus you know emphases and the the footsian footsius emphases um uh, trying to unify the church and say hey you know we're not really you know this is a big you know this is like an intramural debate like this is not like two different reform groups this is, we're all the same we're brothers um let's kind of you know put our heads together and, and figure this out so um anybody wants to delve in in you know in a really deep way like that's the the that's kind of like the deep end, you know. Yeah. Lots of Hebrew, lots of Greek, you know, lots of Latin, and you know, a lot of it's translated, but uh, helps you to understand like the flow of the, the flow of history from a Dutch, a good Dutch reformed, you know, position. So, yeah,
2: yeah. So, it kind of, so like situating ourselves into this too. So these these are major figures, but so I know the the synod of Dort came before some of these major figures. So like what yeah. what's like what's the context around? It? So like why 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 do they need the synod? in the Netherlands at this time,
0: the synod of Dort. you mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's, you
0: know, it's not, it's not exactly the same like discussion, but it does, you know, it does deal with covenant issues. Uh, But the synod of Dort, right. That's the year 16, 18 and 19. There's been a debate in the Netherlands, but also it's a debate in England. Uh, There's a debate in Spain amongst Roman Catholics uh, on the issues of grace. um, And the will, um, you know, what, what you know? Role does you know? Free agency, um, the power, the will, and so forth have uh, in context of God's grace. And so, the Synod of Dort was trying to deal with a very particular issue: um, the followers of uh, James Arminius, um, and you know, it, and they had five points. So, like, so we call it, we talk about the so-called five points of Calvinism. Uh, it's, it, those are those are just responses to the five points of the Remonstrants mm-hmm. or the or the Arminian party. Um, those who protested. So they, they're they the ones that had five points. Like we have the Heidelberg Catechism, 129 questions, Belgian Confession, 37 articles. Like we have a huge theology. Like we have a, like every topic yeah. under the sun. Um, they <laughs> yeah, summarize their thing down to five points, right? So like, yeah, like I'm a big advocate of like, we don't want to boil it down to five points. Like this is an overly simplified hmm. like thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens, you know, that gets kind of like severed from its context 400 years ago and then all of a sudden everybody today thinks well if you you know if you hold to the, the five points of calvinism like you're a hardcore like fire breathing you know calvinist guy you know and then a guy like me you know who's like whose brain lives in the 16th 17th century yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm like you only have five points like what are you talking about you know so um anyways yeah so there those canons of door the synod of door is dealing with issue of grace and mm-hmm. the human will the fall you know the holy spirit's work the death of christ predestination like these big sort of theological issues that all boil down to you know uh, what is god's grace how does god's
2: grace operate mm-hmm. and do it and you know how does god do his thing you know with grace mm. yeah because mm. bogus talks a little bit about the the cans of door and so how yeah, a little bit is is the um so how are the canons door and the synod door how are those related are are they the same thing or is yeah. that like how so does it kind the, of yeah go into each the other The
0: synod right the synod is just a big meeting that's when a synod is a big gathering hmm. um at the in, in a town called Dort or Dortrecht in the in in Dutch um and the canons with one n right not two n's two n's
2: means you know <laughs> not it's not a gun cannon but yeah.
0: yeah Yeah not a gun but uh a theological canon like a rule of faith yeah. um so the canons are the product of the synod of, 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 Dort. So, yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. Okay. The, this chapter mentions the three forms of unity a few times. Could you yep. bring that up and how that's relevant to this? Sure. Yeah. So the, the three forms of unity, those are the, the three confessions I've
0: already mentioned, the Belgic confession, um, Be- uh, Heidelberg catechism and the canons okay. of Dort. Um, and they're, they're these, hmm. at the Synod of Dort, these became like the three confessional documents of the Reformed Churches of the Netherlands. Before that, it was just Heidelberg Catechism and Belgic Confession. Um, hmm. So these are the three standards, the three theological you know, foundational documents for our uh, little tradition of churches. Um, and, you know, they, yeah, they, they talk about covenant issues, and they talk about it in particular, you know, dealing with sacraments like baptism and communion.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, and then with the, with the canons and, and all these things too. Um, and so the last chapter talked on, on the Westminster confession of faith. So I'm, I'm assuming some people are like, well, so what's, is there a difference? What's the difference? Like, yeah. why does one area have one confession? Another area has another confession.
0: Sure. Um, you know, like people have got to realize like at the time of the reformation um, uh, like there, there was a phrase in the period of the medieval and then into the, into the reformational period um that says like basically whoever ruled a region that like that's the religion of the region so whoever the ruler was that was a religion um so if you're if you're prince if you're king if your emperor was you know a roman catholic you were a roman catholic if uh he became a uh you know a follower of martin luther then you know you were a quote-unquote lutheran and then you know as the Reformation spreads, if you were, uh, you know, just, you know, you were a Protestant, but you weren't quite a Lutheran on various, various key issues, well, then you're, then you were reformed. Um, so that's going on in the background. And so every like little prince and principality and, and region and, you know, group of, uh, you know, sort of national group, we don't think not, there's no nationalism back then, but every like regional area has its own ruler and his own own sort of theological persuasion. So um, every area then, Protestant, wrote their own confession of faith because, you know, they're testifying. It's not just like they're saying, hey, we have our own peculiarity of doctrine here in like, you know, Zurich, you know, the Swiss lands of Zurich or, you know, over here in Basel, Switzerland, or in Strasbourg, you know, we have our own like cool theological insights. No, they're trying to testify. It was a way of, that's what a confession was. It was a public statement to the king, uh, to the Holy Roman Emperor, to the Pope, to the world. Like, this is what we believe. Um, and if you read through the Reformed confessions, and there are hundreds of them, uh, you'll see like there are, there's so much unanimity. It's not even funny. Like, they're all emphasizing the same things. Mm-hmm. Sure, there are little idiosyncratic things here and there. But, uh, and that's why some, like the, the three forms of unity, and then say like the Westminster standards, like they become kind of like the, the main groups of confessions. Uh, because they're they're very biblical they're very like uh, they're very succinct they're very powerful like they just have a good quality to them um, and they and they're used by more than just like those national churches like they get spread across you know europe and through missionary work um, and they become like adopted uh, by others so yeah like if you read the westminster standards and the three forms unity you'll see like obviously there's like you know there's like a ton of unanimity they say things maybe differently. They say things a little bit, you know, maybe some, some are shorter than others. Um, But that's why, because they had their own particular like national geographical, you know, reformation going on. Um, And they were, and they, you know, like in the context of England, they wanted to write a confession that would, uh, you know, emphasize, you know, their unity with, you know, Scotland, for example. Gotcha. Yep.
1: So, So here's a few names in here that I don't know if we mentioned yet that, uh, that maybe you could shed some light on for the audience. Uh, Bavinck, Voss and Burkhoff are mentioned on page 398, whether they are, uh, directly attached to the Dutch reformed kind of tradition or, uh, just are involved some way. Could you maybe shed some light on those individuals?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, with names like Bavinck, uh, Voss and Berkhoff. Uh, you're definitely Dutch, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. so yeah, these are like, you know, these, these are key figures in tw- uh, 20th century, um, you know, reformational thought. Yeah. Um, Hermann Bavink um uh was a professor at uh, at my university. Yeah. I've got a rock in my sweatshirt today. My yes, yep, yep. university, of- there it is. I think you can see it in the yeah. yep. camera. Yep. my Freie Universiteit Amsterdam sweatshirt. Um yeah, he was professor at Free University of Amsterdam. Uh, obviously, people know him now because his trans- works have been translated, and there being there's even more works being nope. translated by him. Uh, Gerhardus Voss is an American. I mean, he's a Dutch guy, but he's American, Dutch-American. Grew up in a christian Reformed church and ended up in the OPC. Uh, taught at Princeton. Um, and uh, 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 Louis Burkhoff taught at Calvin Seminary in Grand Rapids, which is the official seminary of the christian Reformed church. Um, it's one of the one of the the two like main historic Dutch Reformed churches uh, mm. in the U.S. And uh, you know I like to tell tell people if you have a hard time reading uh, or if you're not if you're not a big reader and you look at Herman Bavink's four volume Reformed dogmatics, uh, I just tell people get the one volume summary, which is uh, which is Louis Burkhoff. So yep, Burkhoff yep. basically summarizes uh, for an American Dutch Reformed context uh, Herman Bavink.
2: Yeah, we're going through the what was the wonderful works of God at uh at Oceanside too. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, so
0: I think has his own like summary of it, but uh, yeah, Burkhoff's like a little more like a systematic theological, you know, yeah. it's a
1: little
2: simpler, it's like a little more structured. Yep.
1: Okay.
2: And then this um this, I mean, if I'm pronouncing it right, for those who maybe have heard of it, the, the Dere Reformatia. Um, so what, like, what is that? And what, like, why is that in, in, in Dutch reformed theology?
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. The Nader Reformatie, um, it just means, uh, a further reformation. And so, um, it's basically like to put it in simple terms, it's like the Dutch version of, of English puritanism. Hmm. So, hmm. you know, these are people that are in, you know, in the, in Dutch context, these are people who are in the national church, the Dutch reformed church, uh, just like over in in, in England, uh, Puritans were those within the English Church, the Church of England, um, and so they they desired um, as time goes on, and you know a whole nation is quote unquote reformed. Um, and the best estimates that we have from our best scholars say that at the height of the Dutch reforms, church um, like thirty percent of the nation was actually church going. Hmm. So you know, um, you know, anybody that, you know, wants to make, make Amsterdam great again or whatever, <laughs> you know, um, don't forget like the height, 30%. Yeah. Right. So, and then, you know, people, people like say, you know, like, yeah, there's a lot of like bad stuff that comes out of like, 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 uh, like colonialism is a bad, is bad. Right. There's a lot of bad stuff that comes out of Europe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but a lot of times, you know, it gets overly simplified as like, oh, well, the Dutch reformed church colonized X, Y, and Z. Well, you know, the Dutch reformed church sent required preachers to go on ships across the world um to have some like you know to set some sanctifying effect on sailors <laughs> yeah, <exactly.
2: laughs> you know?
0: the sailors um, so, so, yeah, they need, they need it's preachers. a big mess it's a it's a big mess so 30 percent of the population uh you know is is like church going and so th- those preachers theologians and people they they want to see their their nation like continue on in the reformation they want to see people's people converted they want to see um you know they, they want to see the magistrate, the civil government you know local and pro- provincial and national they want to see them guided by uh, by the Word of God right This is the time where the church and state worked hand in hand. Um, you know they, they want to see seminaries teaching you know weeding out bad guys, hmm. you know weeding out bad students um, who aren't converted. So that sounds weird to us mm-hmm. but yeah. they what, what they want to see is the Reformation continue. They don't want to see it just like calcify, They want to see it continue and people's lives are changed. Mm. So, yeah, that's why why it would be considered sort of like the Dutch Puritanism. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of reforming the church from within.
1: And in the end of the chapter, under conclusion, it does say that uh, Dutch reformed theologians tackled common and sometimes ancient philosophical, exegetical, and theological questions. Um, so did they, did they bring something to the table, the other reformers before them and during them in other parts of the continent weren't really doing that really was a unique impact for the church? Um,
0: I guess, I mean, I I would, I I guess I'm always leery of like overemphasizing, uh, Mm. um, like particular, you know, like insights or you know some like particular like so it, it like if you would talk to some of my friends in the netherlands uh and you would say like oh this great chapter on you know dutch reformed covenant theology it would be like <laughs> what's dutch reformed you know yeah, okay. like because they would say like there's nothing novel about our tradition like we're we're catholic like mm-hmm. we're in a small sea like we're christians we're reformed yeah. like we're part of an international movement we're not so we i think i think we kind of like romanticize sometimes you know like their own thing so um yeah yeah, i mean you know these theologians like 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 uh like kakseus is trying to wrestle with the scriptural like in hebrews like it sounds like Mm -hmm. there's a big difference between the old and new covenants so he's trying to wrestle with that you know and uh these two different these two different greek uh terms that are that that are used for passing over sins or remitting sins so uh yeah there's like there's insights um so I guess the way you got to think about it is, uh, you know, there's confessional unity from the beginning of the Reformation to the end. I mean, until today, there's gen- generally speaking confessional unity. Um, and, but as time goes on, like, you know, uh, the reformers in the 1500s, you know, they're, start- they're starting to like learn Greek, right? They're starting to learn Hebrew. They're starting to like get all these manuscripts from, from the East and they're getting, you know, professors coming over, like, this is like the, the you know, in the, in the Renaissance period, right? Um, mm-hmm. As Constantinople falls uh, in 1486, like a lot of scholars from the East come West, right? And mm-hmm. so they're bringing their manuscripts with them. And all of a sudden, like the Western Church is no longer just reading Latin Bibles; they're reading Hebrew and Greek Bibles. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you got to imagine 100 years later, like Calvin dies in 1564. Like 100 years later, the middle of the 1600s, uh, now they have even more manuscripts. All of a sudden, they're mm-hmm. they're they're discovering, like, you know, they're they're writing their own Hebrew and Greek grammars. They're no longer relying upon like uh, you know translations of translations. Now they have the originals, you know, um, and th- they're reading manuscripts. And the students have been trained for a hundred years in how to read texts. Hmm. So there's just much more like new. I wouldn't say like there's great bursts of insights. It's just there's more nuance. Hmm. There's more like tools. Like you know, I have my shelves behind me. I mean, I have so I have so many tools uh, at my disposal that John Calvin didn't have. Hmm right? Nope. You know, I just got this, the new Cambridge Greek lexicon that goes to like <laughs> yeah. the Septuagint and like all this like classical Greek, right? Uh, we have like our old Greek lexicons, but now we have this new one. That's like the first mm. Greek lexicon that's come out in like, I don't know, hundred years. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. like, that's going to be a standard in like Greek studies, you know? um, You know, so yeah, there, there, there is like distinctiveness in terms of like, just a continual like education and like, and textual apparatus and, Um, just the nuance that people have in the area of theology and, and exegesis and knowing languages. And so, yeah, you know, there's, they're, 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 they're all dealing with the same questions. Hmm. They're just more like
2: sophistication, you know? Yeah. So, and then my my last question, if if Nick has anything else to add after this, or if you want to kind of cap this off. So this, the the end of this kind of talks about with Burkhoff and Bob Inc and kind of their enduring legacy within Mm -hmm. Dutch Reformed and, today but kind of bringing it to today So, what like why should we as christians reformed christians why should we it sounds weird but why should we care about dutch reformers and their impact (laughs) on today
0: uh i mean they have cool names number one (laughs) um uh yeah i mean this is the dutch reformed you know tradition is a part of the one holy catholic catholic and apostolic church um it's one little you know one little branch right of a it's one little twig of a branch of a tree um and uh you know it's produced great fruits you know um so you know the theology i would i would say the, the theology has been preserved the uh, in, in our three forms of unity that we talked about a few minutes ago um you know we have a we have a high view of you know what the sacraments are and preaching hmm. and worship um that's reverent and that uh brings the gospel to christians and unbelievers every single sunday um you know, and we have, and we have a foundation, like there's so much, there's so many, uh, there's just so many churches. There's so many options. Like, um, you know, churches like a, churches like a drive through today. Right. And you have so many options. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Taco Bell and, and uh, KFC are like in the same exact drive through This is like, <laughs> this is like an <laughs> abomination, you know, <laughs> uh,
1: eat them at the same
0: time. You know, the time. It's like, it's like you know you drive up you're like you're in the middle of nowhere in the desert on the way to vegas you know for some basketball tournament you're really hungry and you're like oh let's go to carl's jr and it's like carl's jr slash green burrito it's like come on man you know like <laughs> yeah, you're just you're asking today. for like, stomach like, problems just have so many options far. right it's yeah. like church is just it, it sort of felt that way today and described that way especially here in socal right like like church is yeah. just like an add-on mm. you know it's like and you go to the place where it has the best flavor and your favorite you know whatever your favorite thing is and then you kind of bounce around like yeah, the Dutch Reformed tradition is as a part of the Holy Catholic Church, the, the universal Christian church, gives stability mm. and, you know, doctrinal stability and a, and a liturgical, worshipful uh, stability, you know, and a very practical stability to our souls. It's like, you know, um, you know, Hatterberg Catechism begins with that wonderful question, what's your only comfort in life mm. and in death? It's that I belong, body, soul, life, and in death, my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's the gospel. And that's what we try to proclaim, uh, you know, every single every single week. So yeah, I, I would hope people would, you know, would, would see that as a valuable thing and, uh, want to learn more, uh, want to, you know, inquire more about, you know, mm. how, how is this, you know, weird tradition, like relevant for me today?
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Peter actually took my question and, uh, it's good. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Uh, that's what happens when you're doing a podcast with somebody for over a year, you start thinking the same stuff, but, uh, <laughs> Just to peel back the onion on being extra practical about today, is it possible to be going to a, a Reformed church in 2021 and not experience any influences of the Dutch Reformed tradition? Is that possible?
0: Um, well, I mean, in our in our little federation of churches, no, yeah. because it's just, you <laughs> yeah. know... It's in our liturgical like it's our DNA. structure and yeah. our confession. So like all that stuff is kind of like in there, right? Um yeah. So yeah, in our in our tradition of churches, we're gonna definitely have, you know, we have the same confessions that you know they use at the center of Dort. We have uh we we have the uh we have the same like liturgical material that they used with with some more as well, but um yeah a lot of us you know we have, we have we have similar we sing psalms and so like they're translated into different language different mm-hmm. tunes perhaps so like we're singing the same songs and um uh, you know even some of the hymns and so forth are are similar uh in time so there is that, there, that like that good faithful tradition that's been passed down uh, that we try to make use of every single week hmm. for
1: sure and I, I know a lot of our audience could find it maybe even confusing if they're not part of a reformed church and they're on the outside kind of looking in and thinking man you guys were you from guys are so confusing with your acronyms and i don't know <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: which, which Wait, what, what you mean or... like wwjd and that kind of stuff you know, <laughs> yeah. you know? more like urc opc yeah uh yeah. nate Park. like how do i know if i'm going to one of those and i'm getting uh dutch reformed theology or if i'm just getting you know something else or are they they all yeah. the same that's what i think people that aren't reformed are like either yeah. like i don't know that's confusing or why should i care or why is it important that's probably yeah. what they ask
0: i mean i would say to somebody you know anybody out there um you know who's listening or who would ask me you know first mm-hmm. and foremost like are you actually hearing every single week mm-hmm. in preaching the not just about jesus but are you hearing the voice of christ to your soul the gospel um, you know, and, and, if so, you know, rejoice, be thankful that you hear that every single week. Um, but you know, uh, as we all know, like, it's just hearing, hearing the gospel as good news for Christians, not, not I'm not talking about like, you know, if an evangelistic sermon for the unbeliever or, you know, a Billy Graham crusade, or, you know, a harvest crusader, I'm talking about like the gospel mm-hmm. is preached every single week. Uh, and, in, in in the whole, we would say in the whole liturgy, not just the sermon, the whole liturgy, uh, the gospel comes to us. Um, and that's why like the Reformed church is relevant because we see the gospel as central like really central not just as a slogan you know like a gospel coalition slogan right this is like a real deal like for us like this has been our tradition for 500 years and so um you know and then going back to the to the you know through the through the church's history like the gospel and christ are the center it's in our theology like we you know we can mess it up but our theology in our in our confessions and so forth like they give us that theology. They give us that that that, that centrality, that uh, you know, if we follow sort of quote unquote, if we follow the script, like we're not going to mess up.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: We mess up and we go off the script, right? And we yeah. do our own yeah. thing. We, we we try to be cool, and hipster, and relevant, and you know, whatever. You know, whether it's like smells and bells, or whether it's like hipster, like we we yeah. go into we go down the path of like our our own like demise,
2: hmm.
0: as opposed to preaching the gospel, you know, singing and praying in a way that uh honors god and brings glory to him and that unites us with the church in heaven and earth um and uh you know tries to bring that to the world you know
2: yeah so last thing before we end out we always give a yeah. guest an opportunity to kind of promote their stuff so i know you have a book that just came out recently or it's the second edition uh and the, where can people find you what like what else have you written sure. on that could be helpful for this topic too yeah,
0: people, I mean, you can find all my books. I mean, I have a website, DanielRHyde.com. Um, that's just my website. But you know, you can find all my books on Amazon. Um, yeah, my my uh, the latest thing that was published. Um, yeah, second edition of a of a book that I guess we'll we'll talk about down the road here. Mm -hmm. um, what's the title of that thing again? (laughs) God God with with us. us. Yeah. God with us. I wrote the thing a long, long time ago. Um, (laughs) yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So that, that's a, that's a book on like, what is the incarnation? Like, what does it mean Mm. to say that Jesus is God, right? Uh, the word became flesh. What does that mean? Um, how has the church understood that in history? Why is it relevant for us? Why, why is it so, so central, uh, to the gospel? So, uh yeah, god with us. That's that's the latest thing. Uh like I said it's on Amazon, my website uh denlarhi.com. You can find find me there, you can find me online. Mm-hmm. Uh all the all the normal places as well. So um yeah, as far as what I'm working on, well, uh trying to finish my my dissertation hopefully by the turn of the new year. That'll be in the like I'll be looking towards that uh <laughs> that sunlight uh, that light at the end of the tunnel. The, the tunnel <laughs> gets right, bigger yeah. and the light gets bigger. Yeah. Um and then uh i do have i think it's next week uh maybe you guys can promote this for me when i when i when it comes out but uh, i have a little three-part series that's going to be published uh on table talk magazine like they're online mm. uh table talk online i think it's just table talk magazine this is the website uh ligonier's uh table talk um yeah. I have a, th- a three-part series going to the book of romans chapter number eight just chapter eight mm. and three and three like sort of You know, there were originally were sermons and then I did like a conference one time and Hmm. I turned them into like a, like a kind of like a blog post, you know, Um, fairly substantial um, Hmm. dealing with uh, the doctrine of assurance of faith, the assurance of salvation. And so that'll be, I think next week. Um, Yeah. And that'll be on, you know, assurance is a Christ centered reality. It's a pneumatological spirit centered reality. And also it's an eschatological, you know, an end goal, right? Reality. So, those are my three <clears throat> articles coming out next week for Ligonier Table Talk. So, yeah.
2: Nice. Yeah. And you guys will, you guys will see this. Uh, the, we haven't recorded yet, but you guys will see the book um, published in the, uh, the episode sometime in December. So, cool. if you want to, if you want to read more of Pastor Hyde stuff that's coming out, if you want to go to the church, you're in the San Diego kind of North County area, Oceanside, URC, and you're on, was it Daniel R. Hyde is your Twitter handle and all that other stuff. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yep. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about Dutch Reformed Theology with us. It was a pleasure, and I'll see you on Sunday. All right. God bless. Thank you.
1: Thanks. Hey, guys. We hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, uh, as we've said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world. And how to best do that is rate and review us on iTunes.
2: Yeah, and you, after you rate and review, or instead of writing a review, or doing everything all at once, retweeting us on Twitter, liking us on Twitter, liking us on Instagram, following us on both of those platforms, because that actually puts in front of people's physical face this podcast, these guests, and most importantly, the gospel, the doctrines uh, that these guests are are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that.
1: It helps get in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing. And uh, after that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy. As again, we bridge the gap to reform Christian <laughs> theology. Exactly. The
2: yeah, and you guys can find that link on Anchor, our official Anchor website. If you just go on um our social media links, it'll it'll link you to that website. It's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes. If you're on this podcast, a specific episode, scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating. So we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap, pay for shipping, get nicer stuff, all for the focus of spreading the gospel further.
1: Yep, all for the kingdom of
2: God. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you guys next time.